Hi! Hey, welcome to The Cordial Catholic, a podcast for non-Catholics, for new Catholics looking to dig deeper into the Catholic faith. I'm Keith Little, an evangelical convert to Catholicism, and this podcast is born out of one particular idea. Well, the idea of helping to unpack and explain some of those misconceptions and ideas that you might have about Catholicism that are, really aren't founded in reality. We bring real Catholic ideas from real Catholic thinkers from the heart of the church week after week on this show. And this week, I am joined by fellow evangelical convert to Catholicism, author, podcast host, a wonderful human being, Tish Oxenrider, to talk about how we can deepen our understanding, our love, our embrace of the liturgical season of Advent, that period of, of waiting leading up to Christmas. Tish shares her uh, journey, her story of how Advent, the, the liturgy, the tradition, those kind of beautiful trappings of the Advent season drew her and her family deeper into uh, the liturgical calendar, liturgical year, liturgical practices, and eventually into the Catholic Church, much like me and, and, and my wife and our family as well. Lots in common there, and how we can going forward I- embrace and love and, and deepen our appreciation and, and the meaning of the season of Advent. If you're a new Catholic, a non-Catholic Christian looking into what Catholics are, are doing over here, or a Catholic who simply wants to know more about Advent and, and, and draw some new traditions and, and practices and deepen what you already do, this is a fantastic uh, primer, fantastic episode for, for you to learn more about the idea, the liturgical practice, the, the calendar, those trappings, those traditions, the Christmas goblin, <laughs> among other things, of the beautiful season of Advent. I think you'll love this conversation. I couldn't think of anyone better to have it with than Tish, so hopefully you enjoy it. This conversation and others on this show are brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash cordialcatholic and our one-time sponsors at paypal.me slash cordialcatholic. You guys and your financial contributions, your gifts, your donations help to keep this thing going and growing week after week. And I have a new patron to thank. Thank you, Olivia, for your support of the show, your generous support of the show. Welcome on board and thank you for helping us to keep this thing going. You are so appreciated. So thank you, Olivia. And thank you to everyone supporting this show through through listening, through your prayers, and your financial gifts. You guys are the, absolutely the best. So thank you. And now, without any further ado, my fantastic conversation with my friend Tish Oxenreiter on doing Advent well. Please listen and enjoy. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening. If you are listening on podcasts, thank you very much. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, if you can leave a rating or review, that helps to push the podcast out to more listeners. Uh, Extend the reach of conversations like this one, and thank you for listening. If you are watching on YouTube, thank you for watching on YouTube. Make sure you hit the bell, subscribe to this channel, leave some comments, do all those fun YouTube things that you guys do on YouTube, and uh, thanks for watching there as well. Guys, we're in for a treat 
this week, I am joined by Tish Oxenrider. She is uh, an author, the writer of fantastic books, and a wonderful little newsletter as well. She is a longtime podcaster host, a co-host of A Drink With A Friend, a wonderful podcast, very popular in our household. She's a convert to the Catholic faith, and uh, she, uh, aside from that, does all kinds of wonderful things that we'll, we'll dig into here. And I am just thrilled to have you back on the show again, Tish, this week. Thanks for coming back on the show. I don't know how I tricked you into coming back for a second time, <laughs> but thank you. Welcome and hello. Hello. It's good to have you. I was going to say it's good to have you back on the show. It's your own show. Sure, it's good sure. to have you on your show. It, you know, but your show on. is a is big in our household as well. Oh, so the you know, feeling okay. is mutual. Okay. So that's a fair enough statement to have, to have me on my show because I got to say this, your episode, <laughs> you know what I'm going to say, maybe your episode of my show we did a while back on your conversion story it is one of the most popular episodes of, of this show that we've done. Listeners love it. It's, it's really widely downloaded still years later. And welcoming me to my show is, is apt Tish because that episode, <laughs> I think I didn't talk for the first hour of the show. You just told your story and which is ironic. This most popular episode of the, of the show because <laughs> I barely say anything. So that's yeah. uh, that's special to me yeah. to be able to be on my own show with, with you. Well, and afterwards, I felt that like secondhand, <laughs> like afterwards, like what did I do? <laughs> oh my gosh, I couldn't shut up. So I'm so glad you found that endearing. Uh, because well, uh, I just had a lot to say. I guess. Yeah, you know what? Me and everyone listened to the show, so it, it's it's great. <laughs> I I loved it. It you know what? I, you know this as a, as a podcast host yourself. Tish, it made editing really easy because you said all that, you did all the talking, <laughs> and it was a seamless. Right. And so I could. It was wonderful. We all loved it. I loved it. <laughs> everyone. It was wonderful. So I'm happy to welcome you, you back on the show. You do a lot of things, and one of those things that you that you do, one of the the books that you've written is all about Advent. And so I was thinking about Advent. It's 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 big in our house for us. I think maybe for you, uh, you guys as well. A- Advent was can I say like a, the gateway drug into liturgical like <laughs> living and liturgical practice. It was one of those things for us as like, evangelical Christians. My wife and I that kind of began to draw us into more liturgical kind of uh, space mindset living when our kind of evangelical church we were part of at the time began to celebrate Adventist type kind of things. And suddenly we were drawn into this thing that was really foreign for, for both of us in our evangelical backgrounds and began to open up doors uh, force us to ask questions we hadn't thought of or considered before and you know now as catholics changed our whole practice of that season leading up to to christmas and re- i mean fundamentally really changed how we frame the the calendar the the year like our, our whole our whole living year to year as a family it really revolves around these kind of things like advent and lent and easter and christmas so i i thought let's have you on the show tish to kind of talk about Advent, but talk about it uniquely on this show with a bit of an evangelical kind of kind of spin to those listeners who, first of all, maybe are new Catholics, who are brand new to the practice of something like Advent, maybe, and those who are kind of like we were, kind of like I think maybe you guys were looking at kind of Catholic-y kind of things like Advent as <laughs> non-Catholic yeah. Christians and going like, ah, what are they doing there? Like, this is interesting. What can I take of this and begin to live more more deeply so that's kind of the framing of this thing uh and i think mm-hmm. i mentioned to you before we began to record it would be kind of cool to start with a bit of your story now 
listeners have probably heard this because everyone's just devoured an episode of your, your, your conversion story uh, mm-hmm. earlier on the show. But I think if you guys are anything like we were, I thought it was a thing that, that for us, kind of drew us deeper into the liturgy, coming from a non-liturgical background at all. So was that was there a similar trajectory f- for you guys and for you and your journey that this was a thing that maybe began to draw you deeper into the liturgy? Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely was. I grew up in a, a wonderful Christian home, uh, but definitely evangelical and definitely completely devoid of any sense of something like a liturgical calendar. I didn't yeah. even know that was a thing. I hadn't heard yeah, of that. Yeah. That was a foreign, I mean, it wasn't that I was like wondering. It was like, I didn't even think of it. Like, you know, I mean, I suppose I can look back and think like, had I ever thought about why December 25th is Christmas and why, you know, like who decides these things? But, you know, those things just don't enter your mind, I guess, when it's just in the culture. But um, the only thing I knew of Advent in my um, childhood and, and youth was, well, two things. One, at my Bible church, we had a wreath up front. And I knew that on, on the Sundays leading up to it, there would be one more candle lit on that wreath. And it was just kind of this prop in the background. (laughs) And I think maybe every now and then it would be part of like the service, you know, someone would go up there and light it. Um, But there was never any explanation as to why. And then the other thing I knew of with Advent were the countdown calendars from the grocery store (laughs) with the like mediocre chocolate in them. Right. And you, but those started at December 1st and they were just a countdown for 24 days till Christmas. And so I just thought Advent was countdown to Christmas. And in some ways it is, but I didn't know it it was its own distinct season at all. Not a clue. So we're talking fast forward to my late twenties, early thirties. Well, more like early thirties, really when I had little kids And this might be similar to your story too, although I don't know. I can't remember how similar our our kids' ages are. I think yours are younger than mine. Um, But I wanted to do something for Christmas with the kids. And I wanted it to be this like, let's do fun things leading up to Christmas, but let's not invent it from scratch. And let's make it about the real reason for the season, you know? Um, And so where do you go? You go to Google and you look things up and lo and behold, I see certain things. I see like Jesse trees and I see advent calendars. And to me that it was all just kind of a mix. So basically I went down the rabbit hole of the internet's (laughs) guidance for how to do advent at home with little kids. And it was great for a while. You know, I just, we made these little calendars to hang on the wall and you flip the little things and it gave us activities. I'm not a crafty mom in the slightest. (laughs) I did not want something that involved like cotton balls and glitter and (laughs) googly eyes. So I was trying to find something that was just straightforward. Anyway, long story short, um, went to, I guess, the Jesse tree, which is, if anyone knows it, it's like kind of like a countdown to Christmas, but you tell the story from Genesis all the way to the birth of Christ one day at a time. And so I was loving all these little traditions, not really recognizing until, I don't know, a few years into it, wait a minute, there's history to this. This, I mean, I would have known this wasn't new, but I think my head connected it to just like, you know, internet-based ideas to do with kids. And it it wasn't until I kind of zoomed out and there were other 
things that I started questioning about um, just why we do what we do in general. And I, I had mentioned on the previous episode that we used to live in Turkey. And so I was already really interested in the history of the church. So when you start looking into it and you start connecting the dots with the liturgical calendar and, you know, these saints feast days and anyway it just it all snowballed from there but advent was for sure the gateway to all of that for me uh, yeah it's one of those things that begins to yeah like you say leading a rabbit trail whether it's googling it and beginning to oh where things come from i know you, you know for me i'm thinking back to it's different now with kids because the preparation for christmas i ask my wife begins like making the lists for the grandparents of things that the kids might want for christmas like months ahead of december 25th right <laughs> but when mm-hmm. when we were younger and when i was younger and evangelical the the preparation for christmas was like the christmas eve service at our you know pentecostal church and the weird thing mm-hmm. was like you know you'd feel christmas coming sooner than that you'd be you know you'd go home from university perhaps and be back at home for a few weeks in between semesters or something there was those kind of rhythms of of the season and seasonal changes but really the the thing we do as christians to prepare for christmas in like a spiritual sense that was different than like a regular sundays uh, going to church or whatever was this Christmas Eve service. And often it would be yeah. in lieu of the actual Christmas Day service too, which is funny. You'd see, oh, yeah. The, the, it, would, it would kind of feel excusey, like, well, we can't do it tomorrow because it's Christmas. No one wants to go to church on, on Christmas. So <laughs> we'll do this kind of shortened, maybe outreachy kind of Christmas Eve service. Maybe have the lights dimmed a bit. Maybe have candles for feeling very adventurous. But th- there mm-hmm. was nothing kind of leading up to to that before that. And yeah. I can remember like what you were saying with the Advent wreath. I can remember when our evangelical church, we were non-denominational meeting at this point of time in a Lutheran building. So there were liturgical trappings around us that would that would change yeah. in the seasons because it was a, a higher Lutheran kind of congregation. Mm-hmm. Their, their priest still wore the Roman collar and he would vest for services. So it was quite liturgical. We'd see him yeah. you know, in between our service and theirs in, in the lobby kind of wandering around, <laughs> right? And so there was kind of changing. And I remember when the Advent wreath kind of came out, and then it was there the first year. It was there, and they'd you'd, you'd maybe light a candle every every Sunday, but nothing was kind of spoken of about it. It, it was there. We'd light it as part of the service, and that was kind of it. And then the next year, we'd talk yeah. a bit more about it, talk about maybe what the candles might mean. And I think it was then gone for a year. It was it was too much, and the candle came back. But <laughs> one of those things, you know, it's, it's the the trappings of of something mm-hmm. going on there that are pointing to a deeper thing. The advent calendar with the chocolates, right? The, the, the trappings of something historical and deeper there and really bad. Mm-hmm. You said mediocre. I'll go with really bad chocolate if I, if, <laughs> I don't know. You're, yeah, I was being gracious. <laughs> you're more generous. <laughs> but I think it's kind of interesting, and I don't know if there's something to this, but those were pointing to the deeper history of a season that in itself points towards Christmas. So it's like it's like at the very the end of a very long tunnel with like a, a, a flashlight, like you begin to see these things pointing down towards that, then, but we're not, we're not quite there yet. Now in itself points towards this, this mm-hmm. thing. I know you were drawn, you know, first into the Anglican tradition, right? Yeah. So that's a step kind of closer to maybe celebrating yeah. a more, more deep Advent. Would that be fair to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, I remember having a conversation. I was a few years into being Anglican and I had a conversation with a Catholic friend and she had mentioned something about, um, the Catholic tradition of Advent and Lent. And I got offended 
because I was thinking they're not Catholic. Like you Catholics don't own everything. Um, Of course, not knowing I would, you know, eat my own words a few years later. But uh, yeah, for sure. The Anglican, you know, I mentioned this in our previous episode, it felt like a safer way to experience more of the the liturgy or more of a liturgical approach to worship. But here's the thing, and I think you're alluding to this with your back story and mine as well, that we actually all have a liturgy. The word liturgy just means the work of the people, right? And so we have a liturgy in our uh, services, you know, our church services when we gather, even when we don't formally recognize them as liturgy, we have a way of, we have an order to things, you know? And so I think whenever we have those Christmas Eve services, whenever we have candlelit things, whenever even, even local churches have their own unique, you know, like we always end with silent night with the lights, you know, whatever it is, that's a liturgy. That's a form of liturgy. We have a liturgy to our days. We have a liturgy to our family routines. And so I think humans are hardwired to long for that. We, we love tradition, you know, we have tradition in in the sense of, you know, like we formally recognize tradition, like, um, you know, obviously there's the capital T tradition of the church, but we're even, you know, families have their own, like we always open gifts on Christmas Eve or we always eat this for breakfast. But we also just have traditions that we're not aware of. You know, we always brush our teeth before we, you know, do whatever else we next do to get ready for bed. Um, we're just of people like that. We like rhythms, routines, predictability. Um, and so I think the litur- liturgical calendar taps right into that human, that universal human longing for rhythm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You know, there, there's actually a long lost episode of this, of this podcast. It was never, ever actually released. And actually I lost it in a hard drive crash a couple of years ago, but I recorded with, with uh, John Mark Grodi on James K. Smith's book, You Are What You Love, which is all about, yes. he's, he's, I think, a reformed kind of uh, philosopher, theologian, author. Yeah who wrote a book about liturgy and the idea that, you know, yeah, I think his example is the mall is a liturgy, right? Going to the mall yep. is a liturgy. And yep. these things are, are liturgies. Good episode. Lost, lost forever. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Never released. Oh, uh, that it, kills it me. Actually, it was pretty rough. It was, it was prior to any recording of anything. We were, we were amateurs and it was pretty embarrassing. So I'm kind of <laughs> glad it's lost forever. But, but yeah. you're right. There, there are those liturgies, right? And I, I think it's interesting for you. And we did a similar thing. We we were already Catholic as our kids. You know, my wife became Catholic and baptized our, our firstborn son in the same, like the same foul swoop kind of thing. And he was, I think, mm. a year or six months. So we began when we first, you know, became Catholic at the ground floor, how to then begin to decide what kind of liturgies, what kind of uh, traditions we wanted to do for something like Advent and then for Easter. Mm. I think it's cool that you kind of fell backwards into that in a way, right? You you had these kids, you had no no liturgies, but we're looking for something mm-hmm. to do with them and then fell, fell backwards into the, the Catholic faith and these kind of liturgical celebrations. And I think it's interesting that First of all, we, we do, we have those and we crave those routines and those rituals. We have them whether we know it or not, and we crave them in our lives as well. But then we, for, for like Advent, for example, or, or, or Lent, or these, these seasons, the, the church calls us to intentionally embrace, you know, not, not, not by mistake, not just because of the rhythm or ritual, but intentionally embrace these kind of liturgies, I guess, to to slow down, right, in, the, in, in both Lent and Advent, yeah. to slow down and kind of wait in that, in that tension of, I don't know, what, 
what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say here. I, I, I want to say finish my thoughts. That seems a little rude to ask you just to finish my thought, but it's we're, we're waiting that tension, right? But the, these liturgies call us and help us with that waiting. Is that a fair way of saying mm-hmm. that? I mean, you're the you're the expert on Advent, if not me. So I, I'm just, I don't put words into your mouth. Well, you know, we can't think of Advent as a separate thing without recognizing the the calendar as a whole, right? And sure. so yeah, yeah. it's helpful sometimes to zoom out and, and think of what the entire liturgical calendar is doing for us, you know, why it's a gift from the church, uh, and then zoom into Advent specifically, because Advent is the new year, right? The first Sunday of Advent yeah, is yeah. the new year of the church calendar. So, um, you know, we have Christ the King Sunday late November. And then the next Sunday, it's like happy new year, you know, even though it's either late November, early December, that's the first Sunday. And it is formally, it is the four Sundays before Christmas. And then Christmas is actually Christmas tide, you know, it is 12 full days. And then we've got epiphany and I'm, I'm skipping a lot of other things too. You know, we've of course got all the, the saints days and the feast days, and we've got the solemnity on January 1st, but just to kind of give a broad idea um, so after Epiphany, we go into a little bit of ordinary time, although some traditions recognize it a little bit more as an extended um, season with Candlemas in early February. All this to say, then it leads into Lent, which leads into Easter, which is 50 days, which leads into Pentecost, all the way to ordinary time. And then round and round we go again. Yeah, yeah. And so if you think of it like this, it's not, you know, a one and done thing. We, we recognize this every year and we in many ways are following the life of Christ starting in Advent, at least leading through Pentecost. Um, and then, you know, recognizing the work of the church, the ordinary time. So zooming into Advent. Yeah, it is definitely this sense of anticipation as is Lent leading up to Easter, but the two have some similarities, but also, you know, some differences, Advent recognizes two forms of waiting. We are anticipating the birth of Christ, you know, so in a sense, we are doing what maybe we traditionally think of in a, you know, if we're a Christian and we're counting down to Christmas. So we're thinking about Christmas is about recognizing the birth of Jesus. And so it's easy to connect the dots that, oh, so Advent is kind of like expecting that or waiting for that. If you imagine, you know, when you, when you're pregnant and you're waiting for this baby, you do things. Yes, you can imagine that. (laughs) You do things, right? Um, As a family, you get the house ready. You, you think of what it's going to be like once this baby's here, your life is going to change. In many ways, there's some parallels to that, you know, waiting for the birth of Christ. And, um, and so there's, we'll get into this in a little bit, but practically there's some things you do to, to kind of stretch out that sense of anticipation for Christmas, um, which is both fun. I mean, well, it is a lot of fun in the sense, but it's also good and healthy and, and, and important for us to recognize that there is that, that pregnant waiting, you know, because the other thing we're waiting for, because technically Jesus has already come to earth as a baby, right? So in, in the year of our Lord, 2023 and plus, Jesus has already come. So we're not just pretending like, oh, we're going to reenact this every year. We're also remembering that we're still waiting. So we live in the already, not yet. Right. Um, we, Jesus says that one day all will be made new, right? And the rights will, the wrongs will be righted and there will be no more tears and, and all that stuff. And we're very, very aware that that time is not here yet, right? And so we recognize that we're still waiting. 
that we still are anticipating something. And so Advent is about those two forms of anticipation, remembering what it was like, you know, with Mary and Joseph waiting on the birth of Christ and also remembering that we are still waiting for Christ to come and make all things new. Um, And so we get to participate in that. And that is a gift from the church. Yeah. And fun to explain to children, like, no, no, Jesus already came. He came. He's not coming again. We're remembering him, but he will come. He will (laughs) will come again right but but different than as a baby that's that's fun how do you do that <laughs> no i'm kidding i know i know yeah you need a theology degree sometimes yeah <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah but it is that i and i love that twofold that twofold kind of waiting right it is that mm-hmm. it, it is that sense of okay we're waiting to celebrate this day and of course if you, if you have kids there there's a and even as adults too right there's an excitement of christmas day coming and seeing family and, and, and presents and, and great food and getting together with people and enjoying that time and celebrating mm-hmm. the birth of christ in in the liturgy there's that you're waiting for and, and there's the that coming again that expectant kind of there's a, i don't know there's a genius in that twofold kind of of waiting Mm -hmm. that already not yet kind of waiting and i guess practically living that out and i'm thinking again like to not to sell advent but to that person who is (laughs) you know who is doing that christmas eve service and that's one and done and there's nothing before that right living out that waiting period that that twofold kind of expectant period there is so much i mean we can get practical in a second but even just on a larger scale, there's so much in there that's just so valuable for the for the soul and and yeah. for that 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 faith practice, right? In that actually intentionally setting that time aside. There's wisdom from the church tells us to, to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it kind of psychologically, many times the waiting is more satisfying than the yeah, thing itself. Yeah, like if you yeah, think about yeah. when you're a kid Christmas, I don't know if you felt this way, but Christmas evening when you're a kid always felt a little bit sad. Like, oh, so tomorrow's December 26th and then we have to wait a whole other year for this again. And you kind of can recognize and and there's a little bit of a letdown, like, you know, maybe you didn't get the toy you wanted or maybe it wasn't like all that you envisioned it to be. And so you recognize like, oh, yeah, that wasn't maybe perfect. Um, But the buildup was sure fun. You know, all the things you do to, to, you know, get excited about Christmas. That's the same with other things as well. Sometimes the looking forward to a vacation is more fun than the vacation itself or the, you know, whatever it is. Um, Anticipation comes with its own gifts, you know, separate from the event itself. And whenever we try to just bulldoze our way into receiving the gift right away, we kind of miss out on some of that enjoyment, you know, um, similar to a kid who just like wants to, you know, scarf down their dessert and then they get a stomach ache afterwards. You know, if you don't slow down and savor it, then you miss out on what makes the dessert great to begin with. Similar to that. <laughs> That's a great analogy. And I'm glad that, I, I don't know, this is one of those those therapy session kind of things, Tish, but yeah, <laughs> I can remember that feeling as a, as a kid, Christmas, Christmas day evening, right? Oh, okay. Well, that's like, <laughs> all right. You know, and there's, there's, that I, I feel full of food. I have I have these I have these gifts, but I gotta wait now for it. Yeah, you're totally yeah. right. That anticipation is it mm-hmm. yeah, there's value in that itself. And I I guess too, as a I mean again, thinking of a b- bit bigger picture, it's a kind of I know I've heard it described as like a a, a mini Lent, maybe kind of a penitential ish mm-hmm. season. What can we yeah. we say about that? Because that I think again totally unheard of for me as a, before I became Catholic. Like that I would have thought, 
how is Christmas? Like, how is this? How's that penitential? And, and why am I supposed to be c- kind of thinking about myself and reflecting and, and being a bit like mournful ish? Like, like yeah. Christmas, like it's, it's, it's the Hallmark season, right? Like what? Yes, that's right. Can we unpack that a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's honestly very countercultural to even remotely hint at the idea yeah. that Advent could be a, a somewhat penitential season because not only, yeah, the Hallmark movies, all the food. I mean, can you imagine trying to do Lent during <laughs> yeah. the build up to Christmas? You know, there's, it would be near impossible. And so it feels very radically different. So it is a miniature penitential season in that what we're doing is preparing for a feast. So if you imagine you're having someone come over for dinner and let's say it's a big, maybe it's not like the most important person or, you know, but it's someone, it's like a long lost family member um, or someone you just haven't seen in a long while. You're going to really prepare. You're going to think about the menu. You're going to clean the house. You're going to have the kids straighten their hair a little bit and you're going to kind of give some tips on what are you going to do? But, um, But if you were to just jump right into eating the food that you're preparing before they even came over, that wouldn't even, you know, and then they come over and you're like, hey, come on, have a seat, you know, grab some food. We're about done here. That doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, talk about, you know, someone infinitely, infinitesimally more extravagantly important that we're waiting for. And of course, we're going to prepare, of course, you know, to, to celebrate his arrival into our home and we don't want to rush that. And so we want to, it's basically a season of preparing inside and out. So yeah, we are decorating the house, but we're also reflecting on what does it mean in my here and now life that I have a savior who is also the God of the universe who came in infant form What does that mean for me in my own daily life? Am I going to take the time to recognize that? And because we are physical creatures and the church recognizes that and sees it as good, and that's why we we have the liturgy we have, right? Um, Why we stand up and sit down and cross ourselves and kneel and do all the things that we Catholics are known for, right? Um, Because we're physical bodies, that we need to participate in these things physically as well. So it can look like, you know, things like eating simpler as we lead up to Christmas, you know, kind of having a little bit more of a beans and rice menu for our family meals ahead of time. It means perhaps holding back on the the sugar laden treats and, and saving them. And I think it's also helpful to recognize or remember that when we are anticipating Christmas, we're not talking about one day. We're talking yeah. about then a feast yeah, yeah. day that's actually 12 full days. Yeah. And so sometimes I hear that people don't want to celebrate Advent because they love Christmas so much. And so when they think of like, but I don't want to do a beans and rice kind of meal. And I don't want to maybe hold off just a little bit on the fun Christmas music and play more of an Advent reflective music because I just love Christmas. And I get that. I love Christmas too. And we're not trying to be purists here, you know, and there's actually no way to fully be purist. You can't run into, you know, a coffee shop and hold your ears. Nope, I can't hear Frosty the Snowman. It's not Christmas yet. We're not talking about that. But, but, you know, purposely exercising some self-control as a form of penance leading up to a grand feast day that's 12 full nights, you know, that um, we've got time to do all the fun stuff. We just got to, we just got to hold on just a little bit, you know, it's good for us. Just like a parent 
recognizes it's good to eat the broccoli first before the dessert. <laughs> Can yeah. I say I'm picturing you going to a coffee shop and someone say, oh, Merry, Christ- Merry, Merry Christmas. No, it's Advent. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. that, yeah, people have is- actually asked if I'm like that because yeah. I've written, you know, a book on Advent. Yeah. And I talk about like, no, 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 no. I promise I'm not a purist. <laughs> yeah. Like, like like the very, like the, I don't know, Advent dictator or something like, no, it is Advent still. No, right. no, no, no Christmas for you. That's yeah. It. In fact, I say, I say, I might say it in the book, but I've said it before. Don't be that person actually yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know if you want yeah. people to join you in advent don't be that guy <laughs> yeah which is the thing like you said it's so yeah. countercultural, and it is right because it's the season of like of work christmas parties and and friend christmas parties and and yeah and the coffee yeah. shop music and, the, and the, the christmasy drinks and like the sweet treats come out right I, we both work at education i think and the, the staff room yeah. suddenly becomes full of of all kinds <laughs> of very, very sweet things and i'm sure many staff rooms yeah. are, are the same and it really becomes kind of countercultural to say, you know what, I'm going to sort of leave that for a second and, and wait a bit longer in the anticipation. But at the same time, like you say, we're, we're living in the world. Like we can't, don't be that, that, yeah. that person who's like, right, going, going to persecute others for celebrating a little bit too early this season that, no, 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 That's we're, you know, we're hanging on to Advent. We're living the, the liturgy of the church. But that's not liturgy meant to like, traumatize others or something right that, yes that makes sense yes and and we need to remember that the liturgical calendar is a gift you know this is not yeah. this is not something that that god is holding over us as performative or like like let's see how well you do this year in yeah. advent or lent yeah. or whatever yeah. you know it is a gift because we're human beings in an imperfect world and god is inviting us to recognize the rhythm of how he has set up the story you know, the grand story that we're all part of. And so we, we need to recognize it as an invitation and that parties are best when we're celebrating them with other people. And so if we want friends and family to partake of that, we need to, I'm not saying make it palatable as though, you know, we have to sugarcoat everything, but recognize the reality of the world we live in. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that is, it is okay to, to eat the cookie your grandma gives you if it's, if it's still Advent, (laughs) it's all right. Uh, Right. But that, you know, a lot of, I hear this all the time. A lot of adults are quote sick of Christmas by December 26th. And so, you know, they'll want to take down the tree within the first few days. They definitely want to take it down by New Year's. Um, Well, one of the nice things about holding off on some of the Christmassy things is that you don't feel that way as much. You actually still enjoy Christmas all the way through. So there's a benefit to, to, you know, holding back just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so true. And I think, so, I mean, we can get, begin to get practical, but this is one of those things that you build a kind of a a culture. You said kind of inviting in your family and and not making it palatable, but making it this thing you do. And I can think for, for us and our family, you know, we begin to build those traditions and we do things, like you mentioned Christmas music, you know, holding off on the Christmas music until Christmas and listening to an Advent playlist leading up to there. And I can think of our our, our kids when they were, were even, they're, they're still young, but even younger, when they would hear, you know, the, their friends playing Christmas music or they're, or they're in their classes playing Christmas music and come home and this is this more kind of solemn Advent music, you know, early on kind of go, well, why are we playing, like, why do we playing this music? This is boring. Like, where's the jingle bells? Where's, like, where's Frosty? And we would talk try to talk to them as as we could with with young children and explain kind of the idea behind you know what we're trying to do here but as they've kind of grown up with that kind of tradition of us playing well advent music has become more of a 
of a normal thing, right? Where, okay, this is what our family does. We celebrate with the church the season of Advent, and we're listening to this music. And then at Christmas, it becomes a party, and that music that we we held back on, we can play lots and and, and enjoy that and, and celebrate. But it became, a, for us, you know, those, those traditions are something you begin to live and begin to, I, I think, be, be molded by and understand why you embrace it. And then it, it becomes what you do, yeah. right? And it becomes, it's, it's, yeah. it's very rich that way, I think, living that out and, and living it more and more and more yeah. like that. And the church even calls our homes domestic monasteries, yes, right? Yes, it's in the catechism. Yes. We're, we're, if we are parents, we are raising our children, hopefully, in, in this concept of a domestic monastery where we're forming souls, you know, and we're, we're, yeah. we're doing so much more than just feeding people and bathing them and clothing them, right? We are shaping souls. And so when we can recognize a pattern that maybe feels different inside our four walls and outside of them, you know, and even if the outside stuff isn't bad, you know, we're not anti all the Christmas trappings outside, but when you walk through our door and it feels a little bit different, we're inviting our kids to recognize that there is, there's kind of a a rhythm to life that's actually realer than what we recognize outside the world, you know? And so it's actually, it's a, it's an invitation to, to, step in tandem with God's timing and that feels different. That hits different, you know? And, and yeah, when you're four or five, that might feel maybe a bit of a drag, but I will say my kids, my oldest is almost 19 now. And, and then my middle guy is almost 16 and I've got a 13 year old. They all love Advent and that feels, you know, they, they get it for sure because they've pretty much grown up with it. Now they recognize that that's, that's, almost necessary for the fullness of the enjoyment of Christmas. In fact, I don't remember which of my kids said earlier in the year when we were talking about like, what's your favorite holiday? One of them said Advent, like they didn't say Christmas, they said Advent. So yeah, just for those of you with littles, hold on. (laughs) I'm not saying it'll be perfect, but, but yeah, it feels weird and that's because it is right. I mean, we're, we're supposed to be different. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah it's supposed to feel weird. We should feel weird yeah. doing these things, right? We're in the world, but not not of the world. Like that's, there should right. be a, a a kind of difference there, right? And it's not to say you you're going to bust in the staff room and clear the table off of all the treats and declare it's not Christmas yet, right? You, you're not meant to make people feel uncomfortable, but you can you can yeah. certainly within your house and outside your house begin to try and live those liturgies out and again i I love what you said tish that it's not performative like like i think Mm -hmm. lent is is this kind of magnified because you often take a this kind of lenten challenge you give up something for lent right and if you fail at that one day oh my gosh i failed like god's gonna disown me i've i've failed at my this my self-professed challenge that i made to get this thing up (laughs) right i I mean it's not quite that extreme that we often don't don't make those kind of like solemn vows to give things up in the same way we do with with lent um it you know, S- similarly, we, we do, we, we should in a certain way, I think, right? You've already kind of mentioned the, the beans yeah. and rice kind of meals. But I think, like, it, it's so important to recognize that, that whatever we, we take on for Advent, you know, and, and we, we as a family ourselves taken on things and failed at them and kind of had to, had to abandon them halfway through Lent because, or Advent because they weren't working out very well, right? It's not, that's not a failure in performing for God, right? That That's, that's just, Okay, you get that thing up. We'll try something different <laughs> next year, right? It's 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 a yeah. it's a gift to embrace, not like a challenge to accept, right? Right. Do you remember 
um, earlier in the year, this year, uh, what what is his name? The actor that's Catholic, uh, Wahlberg. Oh gosh, um, yes, I know he, you're talking about the Wahlberg they, challenge. Yes, and they talk. Yeah, the forty day Mark Wahlberg challenge. But yes. that's what Lynch was. <laughs> that it's it's not a challenge. It's yeah, it's not a challenge in the slightest. And and you know the spoiler alert to things like Advent and Lent is you are going to fail. You are going to not get it perfect because you are a human being. And that actually, the fact that we're invited to partake of it in our human ridiculousness, you know, our ways of screwing up, of of snapping at the kids during Advent, of, of forgetting and going ahead and eating the cookie just because we feel like it. Those are ways that we, you know, that God can use them as grist for the mill of us from of our refinement in recognizing, man, do I need a savior, you know, (laughs) and, and what a gift it was that Jesus came the way he did. And what a unique outside the box, never would have guessed in a million years way God chose to save humanity. You know, the mess ups along the way serve as reminders that, you know, yeah, guess what? You can't do this perfectly. And that that's why I'm coming. I'm still laughing at Mark Wahlberg's 40-day challenge. I remember oh, that I when that was a thing. I thought, I'm going to call Lent from now on Mark Wahlberg's 40-day challenge. That's the new name. On, on Easter That's morning, great. some of us in a text thread, we were like, happy end of Mark Wahlberg's 40-day challenge. <laughs> Fantastic. It's not Easter anymore. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And that's how strange we look to the, some of the, you know, the outside world. That what, what are these guys? That, I don't know what some kind of challenge he's doing now. Who knows? <laughs> That's Whatever. right. We, gotta find, we, we have to brand Tish Oxenrider's Lent challenge. We gotta, our, our, our uh, advent <laughs> challenge. We got to reframe yeah. that for you. Count down to Christmas. Yeah, bumper stickers. That's right. We got to figure that out. <laughs> I think you know. I th- there are so many interesting things you can in- in- embrace for Advent, right? I had a couple years back on the show. I had uh, Michael Foley, professor at, at Baylor, the guy who wrote Drinking with the Saints, right? So he's a yep. he's a really fun guy, really wild and quirky guy. He had wrote a book about Christmas yes. traditions, and he was talking about how. We're talking about different Advent and Christmas things you can do as a family, right? To make the to to really embrace a liturgy and live that Catholic like life, live the season out right to its fullest. And he mentioned the Christmas Goblin, and he just, I was like, "Are you serious?" And he he unpacked this traumatizing thing that he does does with his kids, this ancient like you know German tradition of this of this Christmas mm-hmm. Goblin that he would he would scare his kids with every year. And I'm like, Michael. <laughs> Do I, like, do they need therapy now? And he's like, well, I think they might actually because it was really like traumatizing. <laughs> so I'm thinking, I'm thinking of you know, we we haven't yet begun to embrace the Christmas goblin like in our house. Uh, although he challenged me to to try that, so maybe this is the year we should try that. Right. But I'm I'm thinking of that. There's so many things you can embrace at Advent to really deepen this season. You mentioned the, the mm-hmm. Jesse tree. You know, we've as a family kind of embraced that. But I'm thinking of the years when we tried too much, <laughs> like the one year yeah. we tried the Jesse tree, an Advent wreath at the table, and my wife had the idea, and maybe it came from you, I'm not sure where it came from, Tish, it probably was you, now that I think of it, of, <laughs> of diff- getting 40 Advent books and wrapping them and unwrapping one book every, every day as yeah. it led towards Advent. So the one year we tried all these things and it was like musical chairs. Like it was like, okay, so who is opening the book today? Who is lighting the candles? Who's doing the Jesse tree? And it became this kind of like absolute chaos, right? We had to actually make a schedule in the end to schedule who's doing what. And like, you know, and if it was, it was wrong one, one, one day there was a fight at the table and there's things being thrown around and, and hurt feelings and 
and crying, mostly from the adults at, at that point, <laughs> doing, doing the crying. But th- that, that for us was a lesson of, okay, you can maybe try too much. So there's, mm-hmm. I think, a balance there. But there's, there's such, there is also the lesson there. Was there's such a wealth of Advent traditions that you, you can embrace and share and begin to build in as part of, you know, your embrace of the liturgy of the liturgical calendar. Yeah. I mean, there's there's anywhere from the the weird Christmas goblin that Doctor Foley was scaring his kids with every year mm-hmm. to to Advent wreaths to the Desi tree. I mean, there's it's so rich. I don't know where do you begin. Like, where do you suggest maybe beginning to look deeper to try those things out to dip your toes in the well of Advent and begin to to draw yeah. from that. Like, where do, where do you begin? Yeah. Well, and I think that's a great question because that's probably why a lot of people don't bother because it feels so overwhelming, right? And we also have this feeling like if I start something, I need to finish something. But I will give, you know, the the spoiler (laughs) that I have never once, we have as a family never once has have fully done a thing like from (laughs) the first day to the last day, right? Because real life, right? We've got some kind of concert and, you know, baseball practice and, you know, dinner got started late. So we need to wind up. There's just life happens during Advent season. And so if you go in thinking of it as a challenge, right. Or thinking of it as like a marathon and you get to run through the finish line, if you do all the steps, then you're going to end up throwing in the towel or beating yourself up or whatever it is, instead of remembering it as the gift it is. So I will say the first thing to do is you can't do everything. There's a lot of great ideas. Pick maybe two the first year. Pick two. You can always add more, but pick two and pick things that don't require you to have to catch up if you get behind. So what I mean by that is there are some books out there that I that I think are delightful that tell a story over the course of Advent. And, you know, you read one chapter, then the next and the next. I think those are great. The problem with that is if you miss two days, let's say, because of life then that one day you have to read three chapters, right? And then you're up late. And so then that kind of snowballs. And by like day 11 of Advent, you're like far behind and you're frustrated. Yeah, pick something that if you have to pause, you know, the recognition of Advent for two or three days, when you're back at it, you can just pick up where you left off and turn the page. Um, Super not, not to, you know, plug my own thing, but that's, that was actually the motivation behind the format of the book, the Advent book I wrote was because I needed something for my own family that was like that, where it was like, I need to just flip to the five days later because we're picking it up again and I didn't miss anything. So I would say for sure, pick something like that and then pick something that's sensorial. So if you're going to have a book, uh, you know, that you're reading as a family or reading personally as a devotional, pick something that involves one of your five senses. Yeah. So whether that's like lighting a candle, listening to music, I don't know. Um, I, I'm trying to think of the five senses, smelling something. I don't know. That's weird. Um, <laughs> maybe don't smell a different smell every, every day, but you know, that's do great. something that's, that's tangible yeah. and reminds you of your yeah you know, your physicalness. And so a lot of families do the, ca- the candles. Um, that's something that we've, we've loved to do is with our kids. Kids love doing that, you yes. know, and I don't know if, if your kids are like mine, they still do this as teenagers. You, they fight over who gets to light the oh, candle, yeah. right? Oh yeah. Every <laughs> stinking night. It's hilarious. It's like, guys, you, <laughs> anyway. Um, so do something like that. And if that feels good to you, then 
you can add something else if you want, but no pressure to do that either. Um, do whatever actually connects you to what your ultimate goal is, right? And that's that's an inner renewal, an inner penitential walk toward what we're recognizing on Christmas and a communal one, you know, in your domestic monastery, something that you think will, if you have, if you've got children that will connect with them. I, as I mentioned before, I'm not a crafty mom, <laughs> but there are crafty parents out I've there heard and I've heard, of them. Yeah. I've heard they exist. <laughs> and um, there's tons of stuff like that, that people do that I think are just adorable, you know, that they can make things and, and recognize them or, or do something with the, uh, the crushes, you know, the nativity scenes, there's all sorts of great things you can do, but just don't, don't do too many to where you're just going to feel like you failed by week two, because you are going to screw it up and and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was our big learning and trying to, to do too much. Right. But again, you said, like, like you said, you, those kind of things that you can't catch up. Like I'm, I'm picturing like, you know, you're behind like three days on like the Advent reading and everyone's like at the table until like eight, 9 PM trying to catch up like reading before they can go to bed and they're exhausted the next day when they wake up and they're just dragging themselves. And Advent becomes the season of like zombie family because yeah. you're trying to squeeze in all this like extra liturgical living. I guess that's a great point. Right. And just, and, and to give things up if you need to, like this, Mm-hmm. Shed those things, right? Our, you know, our big fight is lighting the candle, right? And then also blowing out the candle. So we had to have a job, bit of a you know, <laughs> schedule for who lit it and then who blew it out because that became then, <laughs> then the fight. And uh, we taught our son how to lick his fingers and put the candle out, and that became uh-huh. then like the, the uh-huh. star of the show. Like, oh, I can, like, ha, ha, I can do this and not get yeah, burned. Right, because right. right, kids love kids <laughs> love love fire like that, right? One of my favorite things that I think I want to try. Again, taking on too much, maybe I'm, this is crazy this year, is the, the the manger, the nativity scene, the crash, right? And then, but then you have the, the wise men and they approach, right? They approach from far, yes. far away. And I love this because you see this, some churches that know what's going on, right? We'll, we'll do this with their their crash, right? They'll start mm-hmm. the, the wise men back in the confessional or something and slowly they'll, they'll right. move, they'll move out. Right. And you're in confession one day and there's like a camel next to you there, like on the kneeler. Cause he's, <laughs> he's on his way out day by day <laughs> towards the altar. Oh, I right. That. But I, yeah. you know, I, I love the idea it just it's, to add a bit of I don't know, fun or spice advent, right. Yeah. That, that like, okay, where are the, yeah. where are the wise men today? Right. With young kids, that kind yeah. of thing, that kind of thing makes it fun. And then, that's a discussion. Like, well, where, why are the wise men traveling? Where, where are they going? Right. And I think yeah. something that we have, we have learned as, as converts is like just the value of just normalizing weird Catholic stuff. Right. So yes, just like normalize the fact that we talk about things like the, the wise men and the nativity and, and the birth of Christ. And that story is something that's just in our bones. So of course there's wise men wandering around the house during Advent. Right. Because that's, that's what we do. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. No, I, I, I completely agree. I think the normalization is what makes it fun and what it helps our kids embrace a Catholic culture that perhaps to us, we recognize as normal, but to them, because they got started younger than you or I, it doesn't feel as, you know, strange or maybe strange, but in a good way, you know, something they get to embrace as their identity. And I think the other thing that's helpful maybe for parents or just busy adults in general is Advent sometimes feels like one more thing to do. Like if you think of it as the Christmas season instead of its own season, then the thought of like Advent feels like a layer on top of an already busy season. 
what you can actually do instead of adding one more thing, you can actually subtract yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or stretch out a thing. So um, one way we participate in Advent and we don't do this perfectly, but we like to do it is slowly decorate the tree. So, you know, if you get out a tree in early December and this is hard with kids, I will recognize that, um, or at least with little kids, but you can put the lights on and just have the lights on for a week. Yeah. And then a few days later, or a few, you know, the next week, just slowly add some ornaments a little bit at a time. So just slowly decorate the house or sl- or just slowly do some of the things you were going to do anyway, that you're thinking of Christmas as a busy season, but maybe it's, it doesn't have to be, you know, you're just kind of stretching out the stuff you're doing anyway as a form of Advent participation. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I know for my from you know for my wife, one of the things that we, that she wanted to embrace like last year, a couple of years ago, this this began with this, this wrapping of the of the Advent books, right? So we bought a bunch of Advent books, kind of mm-hmm. put them in order, and so they kind of matched the the season of the liturgy. Different feasts would hit different times. It was very very complicated, well coordinated. I I wouldn't have patience <laughs> for that, and then wrap them all right for me that that i couldn't that's not my thing i wouldn't i'm not crafty she's not that crafty either but i'm even less crafty than than that but for her that was like this embrace of the season that then became in itself a kind of liturgy right that lovingly sorting the books and wrapping the books and organizing the books and like that in itself was kind of an act of of welcoming in advent and i think that's really that's really neat that kind of Okay, I'm 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 doing Advent and I'm picking things to do at Advent that are really going to help me to to get into that season and in, in a deep way that kind of like not just I don't know what I'm trying to say exactly Tish, but not just kind of mm. picking things at random and doing those things, but picking things that are gonna allow you to just deeply live that out in a way that I that in in this case just loved on us as a family, like drew yeah. drew us into Advent along with this this idea that sh- that she had. So maybe I'm trying to say things that draw your family in together. Maybe not just things you're kind of imposing on them, but things you're kind of cooperating together to build. Is, that, is mm-hmm. anything in there makes, yeah. makes sense? I love that. That is a really good way to look at it. I think that's completely true. Our kids still love, we make beeswax candles for Advent. We order them from this company that you just get sheets of wax and the strings. And so we start off by making the candles wow, first. Yeah, yeah. And that is, I think, almost as fun, if not more fun than the than lighting them throughout yeah. the the season and we use a trunk from like a Kyle cuts down, you know, a branch from one of our, you know, outside what, you know, so our, our wreath is actually a tree trunk and he just drills holes, you know, (laughs) candle sized holes in it. And so it feels very like not only organic and natural because it is, but like local, you know, it's like from our house, it's not some store bought something or other. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of ways you can, you can embody this idea and embrace the the preparation of Advent as part of Advent itself. So yeah, you're exactly right. Oh, that's really, I, I want to come to your house yeah. for Advent. That sounds really. <laughs> that, that sounds really. That sounds it really cool. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it is. Oh, we I mentioned before music, and and I think it's probably your playlist that are playing in our house kind of nonstop around Advent time. But again, yeah. the, the idea of those of those senses, and I wonder too deepening. I mean, because you met, the domestic church, of course, right? A lot of this is taking place there. The, the church itself 
changes deeply at Advent. And I think, and I always love, I'm thinking back to my, the, the Christmas Eve service at the Evangelical Church. Often that lead up to the Christmas Eve service, the, there already are trees on the, on, on the stage, right? There already are lights. There's, you know, probably the sermon series we're going through is probably a Christmas-ish sermon series leading up to Christmas. After Christmas, it's kind of done, right? But the, yeah. there's, there's a bit of like that Christmas story already kind of permeating before Christmas proper happens and then Christmas yep. hits and it's there and then kind of it's done. I've always yeah. loved the, 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 tr- the magical transformation uh, in, in the Catholic church, like the actual, the, the church building, right? Where you're the season of Advent, things look quite different during Advent. And, and, and then there is that, that you go on a Christmas day, right? Christmas day mass or during Christmas season, following Christmas day, that Christmas tide. And the, and the church is often just, exploding with with life and, and joy and, the, yeah. and the, the trees appear i don't know what, what team does this but the trees appear overnight you know between christmas <laughs> between you know the end of advent and the next day christmas, you know, christmas day that the the trees appear and lights are up and the all these things kind of explode into <laughs> the scene it's like wow the, i i believe in christmas i believe in christmas elves in that situation because i don't know who else is doing this other apart from Christmas elves, but it's the sweet old ladies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's, it's on yeah on ladders, like putting up the lights. I can I can, right. I can picture that. <laughs> That's right. But it's kind of amazing, like the actual the actual church that that kind of transformation, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking of ways to to embrace the Advent season by you know church attendance. There's often up here for us kind of uh, prayer services, you know, special masses that are like a penitential kind of mass during mm-hmm. Advent that's meant to kind of turn ourselves inward to look as we prepare for the, the coming of Christ. What can we embrace of what the church offers, like in the in the church liturgy during the mass and like in, in that aspect outside of the house that the home, mm. that, that deepens our kind of, experience of advent does that make sense i rambled uh-huh. a lot there so i'm not really sure what no what, i get what's it in there to say. you know i i think this might even happen in protestant churches as well but the song that i think of that always kicks off advent right is o come o come emmanuel yeah, and yeah. that is always the song that um the processional you know leads into the church service and so I think there is something about recognizing the music being intentional, usually, you know, at most masses that we're not singing yet. Oh, come all you faithful or any of, you know, the full on Christmas songs that the Advent hymns are very well chosen and very particularly chosen as well as the scripture reading. So I think um, it's a good idea to you know, before maybe go to mass a few minutes early if needed for having enough time to read the scripture in advance and, and reflect on them and recognize. I like to do that if we can anyway, it doesn't always happen because real life. (laughs) Um, But I think there's something about that as well. I think there's even ways we can participate in, um, in how we, I mean, I don't know if you're, well, your kids were younger when they, they started going <laughs> to the Catholic mass, but um, the, the way we dress even can be a way we participate more, like recognizing that this is an important season by maybe smartening up just a little bit more. Um, I have teenagers, so this is always a, a conversation <laughs> we are having in our household. Um, there is that sort of thing. And then... Um, you know, my my big thing with our kids at our age is talking about what was said in, in the homily, talking about 
what it is we are doing when we are um, participating in all the the rites and rituals and things like that. But just embracing that a little bit more by way of particular conversations in the car on the way on the way back from mass. Um, you know, I don't know. It, it, are those things that you're thinking of, or, is, or are you thinking things particularly during mass itself? No, I think I think that that's it, right? That's it. Those yeah. things that you can intentionally do, or we'll see, you know, being done. And if, that music, of course, yeah, that's a huge one, right? That's it, it, when when there are Christmas carols playing everywhere else. We're still singing these songs. That I that uh, what I love is by the end of of Advent, those songs because there aren't t- there aren't terribly many of them, right? And I think. Yeah. I, I love people like you who are intentionally building beautiful playlists of a few more extra songs <laughs> we can we can hear that are, that are still Adventy themed, right? Yeah. But those songs get a bit tired by the end, and I yeah. think that's kind of the point, though. Also, right? Because you're ready. It's kind of the point. Yeah, you're ready for those yeah. those Christmas songs, and when those get cranked out, right, then it's that much more meaningful and beautiful and powerful. Yeah. So I think that's a mm-hmm. that's a huge that's a huge aspect, and I just love the. The, the full sense experience, right, uh, of yeah. that, right? The church is a bit more subdued and stripped down and musically are a bit more subdued and stripped down and we're all a bit more mm-hmm. kind of solemn and then things just crack wide open at Christmas, right? That's it right. makes it that much more meaningful. And last year, our kids are part of the, 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 the children's Christmas choir. So that was mm-hmm. quite a, the cracking open was, was cracking open and then our, well, the kids behave themselves when, when this thing explodes. Sure. And one, right, one, right. Of, one of two of them were in the choir did. The other one kind of reluctantly sang and it was, <laughs> that was an experience too. <laughs> but, yeah. That's funny. There's also just really great feast days during Advent yes, as well. Yes, you know, we've yeah. got St. Nicholas Day, obviously. That's oh, a way that yes. families can recognize the distinction, you know, and, and remember that, you know, when we're talking about Christmas, that's Christ's Mass, you know, um, that that is a particular distinctive day from St. Nicholas Day, which is uh, December 6th. And you can do that separately. You can do St. Lucia's Day, which is big in Scandinavian countries during the season. And then you hinted at the, the goblin thing um and that that is from germany there's like depending on what your maybe your heritage is in your family you could look into maybe some other ways that advent was is celebrated around the world there's some really great resources out there actually that recognize because there's some there's like a christmas witch from italy and you know there's all sorts of interesting things and you can maybe incorporate that as well into your advent and just kind of make it interesting and fun and you know connect your heritage to the church's rich heritage as well you know yeah that's so true i hadn't thought of that right because we think sometimes advent i mean advent feels for the catholic convert like this this new kind of an invention in a way right i mean it's obviously very very old but <laughs> you forget that it's been celebrated for two thousand years in all different cultures yeah so there are those weird yeah. like the christmas goblin all those other weird things you, you can i say weird that maybe that's not very kind to say of it is weird though <laughs> <laughs> there, there are those the, those things that you can embrace and i totally forgot about st nicholas day right that's a huge that that again is a huge kind of counterpoint to christmas right yeah here's santa claus yeah. real santa claus kids and here's when we celebrate right. him much before Christmas, right? And here's kind of the purpose and the backstory. Yeah. And we've we've yet yeah. Tish, to to get ourselves <laughs> organized enough to do that. I'm ashamed to say, but that's one of those things I think we're okay with. Yeah, some years yeah. we'll get there someday, right? But the, the, that's again oh. the, the the pick and choose kind of don't take on too much and kill ourselves kind of thing, right? Oh, for sure. We even literally last year, it was like two days later that we did St. Nicholas yeah. Day. I was like, oops, oh, sorry, kids. That's good to hear. Um, you know, I went and. <laughs> to go to our local 
little chocolate shop on in our neighborhood and get coins and they were all sold out. So I just like found, I don't know, other random candy and just kind of <laughs> threw them in their shoes. Like, here you go. <laughs> so definitely, That's you know, give true. yourself a lot of grace, yeah. but there are a lot of ways you can do this, you know, and um, along with music, we, we, there's so much great art. You can yes, include yes. that looking at art. There, there's a, you can even incorporate depending on your kids' ages, movies and films that hint at that aren't maybe your traditional, you know, elf and yeah. And the classically Christmas, there's other ones that kind of hint at a sense of anticipation and waiting as well. There's all sorts of ways you can do this. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'm glad to hear that yeah. you that you had to throw some chocolate in shoes. That makes us feel a bit better, I think. <laughs> totally. Oh, yeah, that's completely. awesome. Thank you. Listen, this yeah. is a lot of fun. We could talk for hours, but I want to thank yeah. you for being here. You have a fantastic book, of course, on this subject, which is why I wanted to interview you in the first place. <laughs> so maybe tell us a little bit about that before we go. And I'll put links to that and your stuff in the show notes. You have all kinds of fabulous stuff you have a, a lens book as well and a lovely newsletter mm-hmm. wonderful podcast other awesome books besides like there's a lot of stuff that that listeners can dig into so i'll put links to those things in the show notes but maybe just tell us a bit about the book before because i we yeah we love it i want everyone else to yeah. know a bit about it i don't know <laughs> sure yeah it's called shadow and light and it is the advent book i wrote for my own family because i was yeah. looking for something that was rich, meaningfully rich, but not um, so out of, you know, inaccessible to children. When I wrote it at the time, it is a daily read that you can either do personally as a devotion or communally as a family or as a household. And it is very short and it is based on the Psalms. And, uh, and the, I, the songs are intentional because of a little bit of that penitential sense, a little bit of that expectation and also the joy. Um, all the emotions are found in the songs. And it is, uh, you know, I, I share a reflection on the songs and then I have a reflection question you can ask as a family, a song of the day and an artwork of the day. And I tell people, yeah, that that was five things on one day. Pick two if you if that sounds like a lot. So um, do not feel like when you open the book and you see this, uh, you know, on one day that you have to do it all. And then also it's open and go on purpose, meaning that you don't have to prep anything other than, you know, if you want to do the candles and light those as part of this, because I do mention which candles to light, you know, whether they are purple or pink or white, um, there's nothing else you need to prep for. And if you miss two or three days, you can just turn the pages and just pick up where you left off. There's not a, you know, continual story necessarily. So yeah, that is the book. And at the end, it it does have readings. If you want to read slowly, you know, the birth of Christ with the prophecies all the way through the gospels. So that's an option too. That's awesome. That's the book. People finish the whole thing. They get an autographed certificate saying, "Congratulations, <laughs> you've you've accomplished this." Right? You, 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 That's right. You won Advent. <laughs> you <laughs> Good <won>. job. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's awesome, Tis. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Uh, coming back. I don't know how I tricked you into this, but I really yeah. appreciate it. And listeners, I'm sure, will love this. <laughs> I love it. So, thank it's you. And I want to say, God bless you and the awesome work you're doing for the church. And thanks for joining us again this mm-hmm. week. This has been a blast. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun to talk again. <laughs> Thanks. 
Well, thank you once again for listening to this episode of the Cordial Catholic Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed that deep dive into the season of Advent. Always a pleasure to have Tish on the show, so hopefully that you, you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed having her on the show. I can't imagine why you wouldn't, so thanks for listening, guys. Let me know. Send your feedback to cordialcatholic at gmail.com. Thecordialcatholic.com is our website for show notes from my blog and things that we are up to week after week. We're on uh, TikTok, uh, X, or Twitter, and Instagram at Cordial Catholic. The Cordial Catholic on Facebook to join that growing community there. And if you want to watch what you're hearing, uh, please do head over to youtube.com slash the cordial catholic. I'm trying to grow that channel and it is growing bit by bit. I can't figure out the YouTube algorithm by any stretch of the imagination. So that channel <laughs> grows and fits and starts. So I appreciate it if you aren't already a subscriber head over to youtube.com slash the cordial catholic and subscribe to our youtube channel because that will help to grow the channel and spread messages like this one about the beauty of the church and the faith that christ founded and our wonderful practices that we practice as catholics and love so thank you if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please just stop and leave a rating or a review. Those help to push the podcast also out to new people and grow the audience for these kinds of discussions. So please head over and do those things too if you can. If you want to give to the show financially, that's at patreon.com slash cordialcatholic or paypal.me slash cordialcatholic. Those links are in the show notes as well if you want to help support this show financially. Guys, thanks for listening. Know that I'm praying for you. Please pray for me too. Talk to you again next week. Take care and God bless. This show is brought to you in a special way by our co-producer patrons over at patreon.com slash cordialcathy. A special thanks to Ellie and Tom, Kelvin and Susan, Stephen, Suzanne and Victor, Phil, Noah, Nicole, Michelle, Jordan, John, James, Gina, and Aram for your special support at the co-producer tier and making this thing possible. You guys are fantastic. God bless and thanks for your support.